Is a third nipple the mark of the beast? How abominable can a snowman be? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life, your comedy paranormal podcast where every week, myself and the boy who sits across from me, Kit Greer Malvena, the boy with no name, except the one that he has and we do mention it quite a bit, Kit Greer Malvena is his name. Don't, shh, don't say it dude. can you get through this because i have a question just ask it now if, if it's third nipples the mark of the beast then what do you call this so many nipples How i've many never have? needed to bring it up before now because i didn't know it was paranormal my god it's like the belly of a cat how many do you have in winter or summer yeah i think you need to go see a doctor i don't think those are nipples i think those are open wounds the doctor instructed me to leave when i pulled that stunt last time not to get too distracted at the start of the podcast as you know, every week we tackle a new paranormal tale and come to a conclusion as paranormal investigators as to whether or not it is paranormal. I feel like I'm getting off track again, but like, I'm going to mix it up. I'm just going to say this week is a yes. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know if you've got a story preps. So you're saying it right now before I even say it, you think this is a yes. Yeah, a little, a little Quentin Tarantino movie structure moment. We're going for the ending first. And then we're going to tell the story backwards. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? How about I match you and I give it a yes, too? That's how, that's like we're playing blackjack here. I don't think you know how to play blackjack. You're saying the guy with 21 nipples doesn't know how to play <laughs> blackjack? <laughs> oh, I can count to 21. Uh, I like this. I like this. So now we get to figure out at the end of the podcast whether or not we made the right decision <laughs> at the start. Look, I'm going to need everyone to brace themselves. Because today we're investigating one of the wildest UFO stories we've ever covered on the podcast. This case goes 0 to 100 very quickly. We're talking multiple witnesses, first-hand testimonies, some pretty far-out claims. So buckle up, folks, because today we're investigating the Berkshire UFO incident. An alien encounter that rocked an entire county. Wow. This is truly some innovative storytelling. Normally, we don't even get to what the case could be about till halfway through. Yeah. We know it's a yes. <laughs> we know it's about aliens. Here we go. Yeah. And, you know, usually our UFO stories would start with, um, you know, someone seeing something in the distance and maybe hearing a weird sound. I cannot stress how much whatever this thing was didn't care for being discreet. It went on a <laughs> rampage. It f***ed this county up. This is the uh, UFO paranormal equivalent of a hungry brown bear invading uh, a neighborhood at night, smashing over <laughs> bins, breaking in through patios. Today's case begins on the 1st of September, 1969, in the Berkshires in Massachusetts, a region spanning 98 miles north to south with a population of 150,000. It's a popular tourist spot that thousands visit to enjoy outdoor adventures and to taste the quaint mountain lifestyle. Sounds delightful. But on this particular night, it didn't sound that delightful at all because something else visited the Berkshires and everyone who witnessed it would never be the same. As I said, this isn't our typical UFO story. This craft, whatever it was, went on a rampage. And luckily, whenever you have an alien rampage, you're going to have a lot of witnesses. And that's what we have today. In this episode, we're going to look at the testimonies of a bunch of different families to try and piece together what happened that night. 
So this is one of these cool times where you can like break a night down from like the perspectives of different people and say like, you know, like our night, like Friday night, 9 p.m. Rory was out at the bar with his friends. At that same moment, just across town, Kit was microwaving a burrito in his pajamas. Okay. He was unshaven and hadn't showered in weeks. You know, uh, so know it like tells that. the same night from different people's right, perspectives. Well, let me tell it from my perspective. Rory was hooking up with an absolute 10. <laughs> uh, the girl shot him down instantly based on his <laughs> per appearance. No, no, no. <laughs> she was actually uh, really surprised to hear that I wasn't a supermodel. And I told her that I drive race cars for a living. <laughs> she was disgusted by his bad breath. No, no, no. No, no, no. It <laughs> was a microwaving burrito. It was actually a delicious homemade burrito, given he is an incredible cook. <laughs> Kit has 21 nipples. How about that? That's pretty much <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. The girl might have been impressed. <laughs> Rory only has two. He's been outmatched. I see what you're saying, though. Yes. I, I like this concept because we are not stuck with a paltry number of witnesses. It makes us, frankly, question the uh, sanity of our single witness. Exactly. You know, it's hard when you have to take one person's account as the truth. But in this case, oh, you don't think the UFO came down? Why don't you ask Billy or Michael or Susan or Terry or Alex or Susan? There's two Susans or Jimmy. Susan sees everything that goes on this time. Let's dive into the events of that night, September 1st, 1969. The Reed family were out at a horse show in Great Barrington, a fun day out for the locals. By the time the show was ending, it was approaching dusk. Nancy and her mother put their two hungry boys back in the car and got ready for the drive back to the family diner for a quick bite to eat. As it was so late, Nancy decided to take a shortcut over Sheffield Bridge. It was one of those wood-covered bridges, real Sleepy Hollow vibes. Mm. She slowed down as they approached the entrance to the bridge and began driving across, taking it steadily. The boys, Tom and Matthew, aged six and four, were fussing about in the back seat. Nancy turned around. Will you boys keep it down? That's when she noticed a strange light through the rear window. It looked like it was hovering behind them. Whatever it was, it was getting closer. She snapped back round to face forward, glancing at the light in the rearview mirror as they raced along the bridge. Before long, the entire river was lit up on either side of them. He's like, nah, boys, it's an incredibly dangerous bridge, and if we go more than three miles an hour, we're going to endanger- <laughs> What the f is that? Holy moly! Foot on the gas, guys! <laughs> Go, go! <laughs> it's just a, a cyclist. Yeah, it's basically one of those Indiana Jones bridges that's like dangling from six ropes. Right, she swings a machete out the window of the car, <laughs> hacks off the bridge. Hoping the light will fall into the cabins below. It's like, that's not how light works, Nancy. Nancy kept driving, determined to get out of the bridge and home to safety. As soon as they departed the bridge, their eyes drifted upwards to the sky. In front of the car was a huge ball of light, levitating, with a smooth metal ship hovering above it. It was firing out rods of light in random directions. Holy crap. Nancy slammed on the brakes, and the car came to a halt. What? What the hell is that thing? Before the family could truly react, the sounds of crickets, locusts, and cicadas erupted in the nearby forests. Then the insides of the car became blindingly bright. 
The family began to panic as the atmosphere became dense. They felt like they were underwater. Then all of a sudden, everything stopped. They were just sitting alone in the car. The frazzled family looked outside to see if they could spot the craft. But not only was the craft nowhere to be seen, they couldn't see the bridge either, or the woods. The Reeds family were now parked outside of a drugstore about a mile from the bridge. <laughs> that could have gone any which direction. They could have been parked outside a drugstore on planet Grugon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A mile away from the bridge is actually pretty sweet. <laughs> you could have been one light year away from your house. You could turn around to ask for directions and there is a slug in a hat with a briefcase sludging along going, I got rune. And you're like, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm struggling to understand your accent. It was as if the entire family had just all woken up from the same dream or as if someone had just put them all back in place. But something was off. Nancy went to grab the wheel when she noticed she was no longer in the driver's seat. There is too many things uh, that they are just noticing right now. I'm on tenterhooks. <laughs> within the next couple of lines, is she going to realize that she has donuts for hands? <laughs> yeah. Is she going to realize that her children have been transformed into Furbies? Like, what else is she just about to realize? you got to step up your perception game. Look, when there's that much mad shit going on, you can only realize one thing at a time. Now that I come to think about it, I'm not in my car anymore. I'm in a giant banana. Nancy looked across the street and realized she wasn't by the bridge. She was by a gas station two miles away. She was also a slinky now. <laughs> it's like, you gotta realize one thing at a time. You can't realize, because you realize it all at once, your brain explodes. Yeah, not so much of an issue if you're a slinky. Nancy's mother was now behind the wheel. And guess what? What? Grandma didn't drive. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most f***ed up bit of all. <laughs> That's unnerving. Grandma never drove. And for some reason, she was now behind the wheel of this car. So we're kind of in a sort of dream-like fugue state where nothing is really making sense. And just when you thought there was nothing left to notice... Oh, f*** me. Here we go. Nancy noticed the time. It was midnight. Three hours had gone by in what felt like a second. Classic missing time. This is a hallmark of UFO cases. Did I mention her wristwatch was a banana oh, here as we well? Oh my god. Nancy! <laughs> <laughs> Sum it up in order of importance. It was half past pineapple. <laughs> the Reed family claimed that that night, they were abducted by what people would come to know as the Berkshire UFO. Mm. Usually, Kit... This would be our whole story. We'd be heading straight into conclusions right now. You're absolutely right. But the Reed family are just one of the many people who not only saw the craft that night, but claimed that they were also abducted. Now that is maybe a TPL first. I feel like usually in our UFO stories, we tell the tales of everyone who saw the craft. And mm -hmm. then we go, if you think that's crazy, this person right at the end of the story actually thought they were abducted. And let's face it, that's at the end of the story because they're a nut job and there's no way the damn thing is true. But you're saying we have more than one person who thinks they were abducted. The Berkshire UFO was basically the Fortnite battle bus. Half of the town's population were floating in the sky that night <laughs> on board a disco ball. My goodness. I can never remember what the classifications of encounters uh, this comes under. 
Right. You got your first encounter, second, third, fourth, fifth encounters. I want to say abduction is pretty up there. It's maybe like fourth or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm I, pretty sure sixth or seventh is making love to an alien. See, I always thought it was um, the, the close encounters were following the same kind of rules as the, the baseball rules. So it's like first base, second base, third base, fourth home run, you know? So Unfortunately, it's, like, it's not that different. Yeah. Like I, I got to third encounter with an alien and it's like, <laughs> oh my God. So I think fourth encounter is, wait, or does it go in reverse order for encounters? Is encounter of the first kind insane? I don't know. It's like the DEFCONs. I can never remember which one is high or low and that's why you'll never be in charge of them <laughs> yeah it, it, it's something like i think <laughs> defcon 5 is like everything's cool <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> rory's in charge of the like government alarm system like no worries guys birds are chirping uh everything's going great clear blue skies hits the big red button <laughs> <laughs> every power station shuts down <laughs> the borders are closed that same night Jane Green was out driving with a girlfriend, Mary de Grace. They were headed to Stockbridge in the town of Great Barrington, gunning in along the highway without a care in the world, when suddenly, up ahead, they could see lights. Mary, do you see that? It looks like there's an accident up ahead. As the car got closer, the white light from the middle of the road up ahead got brighter and brighter. Within minutes, Jane had to slow right down and even stop because it was blinding. Cars on either side of them were grinding to a halt along the edges of the road. People started getting out of their cars to see what was going on, elbows raised to shield their eyes from the blinding beams. And that's when they saw it, an object floating over the road. Jane couldn't believe her eyes. It was enormous, so big that looking left and right, she couldn't even see the edges of it. Whoa, that is not good, given that the only thing this could be that isn't paranormal is a helicopter. That's one hell of a copter. That's... I heard it. Okay, just... Yeah. I heard it. <laughs> okay. We all heard it. Ah, <laughs> uh, they... Sorry, I thought I was going to go down better. I was honestly uh, being quiet because you have so much stuff to get through. Like, <laughs> if you want, I mean... Uh, oh, no, it's cool. <laughs> hell of a, I'm just like, let's well, just go back. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good one. Well, no, nice don't dude. make it fake. I'll probably put in like audience laughter or something anyway. That would so. be way more fake because we've never had that. I just think it's a good enough joke that people... Would it be so weird that like passersby would have heard it in the studio and like laughed... We're, so that we're the, in a like hermetically sealed view. There's a literal light on the door outside to warn people, like a bumblebee, to not come in. There's no passersby. I guess it's, if the joke was that funny, though, the people who didn't even hear it knew that something like that. It's had not happened that in the good. Universe. It's also not that good. That's one. You just said it's one hell of a copter. <laughs> that was a fake laugh. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm genuinely proud. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. That kind of threw me a little bit. It shouldn't. I'm not even that interested in this case. It was mostly to tee up the this is, hell of You a said copter. it was the wildest case we've ever covered. You have to finish the episode because we have also gone on record to say it is a yes, so we have to at least prove that. Okay, fine, 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 fine. They couldn't tell if it was bronze or silver, but it seemed metallic for sure. Jane couldn't see any windows or openings. The whole thing was just smooth. And even though it was clearly flying in the sky... The monstrous craft made absolutely no noise. That's disconcerting. 
a lot of common themes we see in other UFO stories. Without warning, it suddenly took off up into the sky, disappearing over the mountains. Whoa! Sadly, Mary is no longer with us, but Jane tells the story to this day, and she's absolutely positive about what she saw that night. Wow, that is, as you say, Rory, uh, every kind of encounter we've come across so far is normally the, the the meat and potatoes of one normal investigation of this paranormal life. Yeah. But we're just rhyming them off like they're goddamn Pokemon. There's 150 that you got to catch. Yeah, there's honestly like six TPL episodes in this one episode. By the way, it should go without saying, Mary and Jane don't know the Reed family. Yeah. Don't know anyone else that was on the highway that night. Coincidentally, they just saw this the same night that f***ing 60 dudes also said, I was beamed into the sky. I'm also going to go on record to say this is the kind of diversity in the type of people reporting it. By that, I mean we've had all women witnesses so far, which is really fantastic. A nice change. Because normally (laughs) it's guys that look and sound like Cletus from The Simpsons who we cannot trust as far as we can throw. And uh, we're supposed to believe that even though they live in a shack in the woods, we have to treat them like they're professors and they know everything about it. This is what I want to hear. It's like <laughs> two girlfriends just going about their lives on a night out. Yeah. Uh, and then just driving home at a sensible hour. And then they're like, hey, I got a busy life. I'm a regular person. And I would never normally say something like this, but this really happened. Yeah. As you said, usually on episodes of the podcast where we talk about UFOs, We, for 45 minutes, tell you this incredible story about an honest man who was abducted by an alien, and then right at the end before we conclude, reveal his name is Chuck Puddle, (laughs) and he he f***ing eats clay, (laughs) and that's the man that you've been trusting for the last hour. So I'm very happy to say that not only today do we have a wide variety of witnesses, but none of them eat clay as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so far none of them have been part of a government LSD testing program where they frazzle your brain. That we know of, I should say, that we know of. (laughs) The craziest part is that years after seeing this craft, years and years, Jane finally came clean and told her kids about what she saw that night, and she couldn't believe their response. They said, Mom... We saw it too. The kids had been young, but they had seen the bright lights flying overhead looking out of their bedroom window. Look, I've already mentioned that there were dozens of witnesses to this case, and I'm not exaggerating. I cannot stress how many people saw this thing independently of one another. Very interesting. Although the stories that we've told so far are pretty wild, nothing compares with this next testimony from Tom Warner, a local who was merely 10 years old at the time. (laughs) Tom Puddle, <laughs> a clay-eating mother <laughs> in the local area who has some pretty interesting stuff to say about what the craft looked like. Tom was at his babysitter's house, doodling away with a big box of crayons while the TV played in the background. Suddenly, he heard a distant voice echoing above him. You need to go home now. Was it the babysitter? Tom turned around, expecting to be faced with his babysitter, Jane. <laughs> But the voice had come from somewhere else. All grown up now, John said that at the time, as a 10-year-old, he thought he'd heard the voice of God. (laughs) So he leapt to his feet and got ready to leave. His babysitter Jane stopped him at the door. That's a good lad, by the way. No questions asked. (laughs) Not even going to check if it is God. (laughs) Okie dokie. You got it, big man. (laughs) Hold up, mister. Where do you think you're going? I have to go! 
Tom squeezed past his babysitter and escaped outside. As he made his way onto the grass, he was struck by a beam of light! What?! <laughs> oh my god! Tom was still running, but now just running in place. His legs were going full pelt. He got hit with the tractor beam. <laughs> but he wasn't moving an inch. That babysitter is going to learn from this experience. You don't <laughs> let the kid get out of sight. Rule number one. The parents come home and it's like, where's little Tommy boy? You see that burnt patch of garden outside? <laughs> you ain't going to believe this. That's your son. Like, oh, I see he's uh, having fun with the crayons. Is he, is he upstairs? Tommy, Tommy boy. Um, He's just, he's just upstairs resting. Um, I wouldn't go up there. I think he's, uh, I think he's quite sleepy. I took him away. <laughs> who, who said that? She's uh, a liar. <laughs> Shut the f*** up. <laughs> Shut up, God. <laughs> I took your baby boy. To be fair, at this point, this boy doesn't know that this isn't God at this point. <laughs> he thinks God. he's been raptured. Who knows how the rapture will come for us all. <laughs> it could be a peaceful heavenly harp music playing as mm -hmm. you sprout angel wings and float gracefully up to the heavens. It could be. Or it could be a voice that says, time to come home and <laughs> blast you in the chest like a Dragon Ball Z character. <laughs> and you're just beamed up to the stars. Uh, it could be a scary experience. And that's what it was for Tom. Tom felt the atmosphere around him change. It was as if time was slowing down and gravity was getting weaker. Yo. Jane watched in horror as the boy that she was legally bound to protect from harm disappeared into thin air. There's no way. She saw it too? She, she watched him disintegrate. <laughs> well, I was thinking she was still sat watching television in the living room and she, she just heard... <laughs> I was like, uh, did you slam the gate in the garden again? There's a smoldering patch of grass and no child to be seen. No, it's the very opposite. She was basically holding onto his body as he was Thanos snapped out of reality. Sheesh. This is hardcore stuff. To be fair, not to get sidetracked, but if I was the babysitter and the child I was watching disappeared for any reason, I might say they were raptured. To cover my ass. If I'm a babysitter and the child I'm looking after disappears, guess who else is disappearing? <laughs> Old Rory. <laughs> He's skipping down because no one's going to believe that. <laughs> you best pack up your shit in a burlap sack and try and hitch a ride to the airport because you're on the run now, brother. <laughs> yeah. What's the best case situation? They come home and find the ashes of their child. <laughs> yeah, how are you going to explain lawn? that one? Where's Timmy? He's with the Lord now. Okay. Oh, he didn't die. <laughs> He's just there for some reason. <laughs> now, as we know, Tom is only one of the humans that claims that they were abducted that night. Some claim that they can remember parts of what they saw. Other witnesses say they felt drugged as if they'd been pumped full of chemicals to erase their memories. Jeez. But the few fragments we do have from what allegedly took place on that craft is truly terrifying. I don't know if I want to know what's about to follow. Well, you're gonna know. Melanie, another child who was abducted that night, said that she remembered being laid out on a table in a cavernous room filled with other children. Jesus Christ! As she looked around, she saw the faces of her school classmates. But as she watched, they began to disappear one by one. <gasps> oh my lord. Before she knew what was happening, there was a flash, and she was back by the lake, barefoot and alone. Where are the other children? I mean, I need to know <laughs> where where are classmates? Uh, interestingly, Tom, who we said was also beamed onto the ship, 
claims that uh, he had a very similar experience in which he actually saw Melanie on the craft. And this they, is mad. It's they like, it's they like, don't even know each other. Yeah, I mean, it pretty much single-handedly takes this from uh, the realm of potential fantasy into verifiable alternate dimensional fact. Like, imagine you had a messed up dream and then someone else was like, yeah, I was there and told you the same story. Your mind would be blown. Yeah, I mean, I think the the reason that these events are being talked about as if it felt like, quote, a dream is because it's an experience that's so otherworldly and bizarre. That's the only way that the human brain can frame it to make any sense out of it. Sure. When Tom was placed back on Earth, he was lying there back on the grass, a light beam pinning him in place. <laughs> this is mad. It is insane, this isn't is... it? I know you, you teed this up by saying it was going to be one of the stranger cases. This is very intense. It almost surpasses movie <laughs> levels of intense to where it's like so incongruous and extreme for such a sustained period. Bro, I'm not. it doesn't do me any favors <laughs> that it's this wild. I don't want it to be this wild. I wanted it to be a few people who thought they saw it and maybe one person who claims they were abducted. There's like 40 people that night. They were like, my f***ing jeans were ripped off. I had scratches on my back. I woke up butt naked in a swamp 20 miles from my house. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well, uh, fine. Thank you, um, sir. What about you? What, what happened to you? <laughs> Me? I woke up. 30 miles from my house, butt naked with a f***ing stick of caramel up my ass and a cowboy hat. And you're like, oh so my like, God. Oh, can I take the bit not mentioning your ass <laughs> and tell people about that? It only gets wilder. Every part of the story only gets wilder. And the interesting thing is they covered this entire story on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. You should hear these people talk about it. We, we talk about it a lot before, but these are normal people who, who had this experience and it ruined their lives. They lost their jobs. Uh, they were harassed. People had breakdowns. Whatever happened or whatever they think happened was not to benefit them. This was something that was inflicted upon them and has only caused great pain and inconvenience since it happened. I feel like great pain and inconvenience has befallen me since we started discussing this story. <laughs> oh, you're a part of it now, brother. <laughs> As I said, luckily, Jane will be happy to know that Tom was placed back on Earth lying on the grass. She started screaming at him to get up and run, but he couldn't move. He couldn't move because the light beam was pinning him in place. I mean, hell, even if the light beam goes away, I'd stay down, <laughs> pretend to be dead, just in case that beam comes back. Tom claims he heard the voice from above say, Hold still, it'll only be a minute. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The voice is talking the same way you are. Do you think I wanted it to be this way? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do this. Stop trying to wiggle <laughs> just stay still it takes like twice as long if you wiggle you little bastard it really says something if uh you get abducted by aliens and then 20 minutes later they're like have him back get, get the fuck out of here you little ass just as the voice said the beam withdrew 60 seconds later and tom was freed uh now as we said tom loved drawing with his crayons and was actually a bit of an artist and he did, in fact... <laughs> he ran back inside. His babies are like, are you okay? He frantically got out his crayons. He has no pupils in his eyes. He's just drawing ancient hieroglyphics on a page. Uh, I'm going to send you this picture. He drew or painted this picture depicting 
the events that took place. <laughs> oh boy. That happened to him that day. Oh boy. Have we ever had this before? Children's art of a paranormal experience that happened to them? I don't know. To be fair, this art, uh, I think he did this as an adult. Oh. You know, maybe in the years since. I guess you'd do that if you were an artist and you were like, I don't want to forget what this was like. And while my I still have this in my head, I want to get it down on paper as best I can. And this is what he painted. <laughs> yeah, what? What am I supposed to do with this, man? I'm just showing it to you. I, I get <laughs> that it's not your fault, but also <laughs> you for showing this to me. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what I'm looking at, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, it's fairly tastefully done. Um, it's a good little painting. It shows a field, a dark sky, as if it has happened at nighttime. In said sky is the most stereotypical UFO sure. you've, you've ever seen. This is a flying saucer, a domed top. Maybe the only thing that's slightly different about it is there is this kind of multicolored, it's actually tastefully done. It's kind of, it kind of yeah. shows a kind of iridescent coloring all around the outside of it. And there is a ring of lights, uh, but m clearly and most importantly, it is beaming down the classic Star Trek tractor beam. Like I mean, th this looks like it could be a, a logo for this paranormal life of a UFO. The beam is going all the way to the ground and presumably him as a young boy, a depiction of himself is standing in the light of the tractor beam, beaming him up. Well, he's not going anywhere, but he's being held down, obviously. I don't know if this is the the way people imagine it in their heads, but it looks like a depiction of your basic cliche everyday UFO abduction. The flying saucer, the light beam shining down on a human, pinning them or lifting them up into space. Yeah. All in all, there were at least 40 witnesses of the UFO activity <laughs> over the Berkshires on September 1st. Presumably ranging in experience from light in the sky to I was aboard and strapped to a table. Yeah, very okay. uh, wide variety of experiences. Sure. Which, if anything, yeah. is what you want. If all 40 people said they were on board, that's one thing. But if you got a call at some point from someone saying, hey, I think I saw something really weird up in the sky, and then a few seconds later someone's like, uh, my child disappeared into thin air while I was holding them in my hands. All of these... You'd think all of these would have a common theme and a link between them. I mean, it is a tricky one, though, isn't it? I mean, I, as long as there is a common theme between them, because as word spreads of a story like this throughout a community, if one person's got the wild story, then other people are going to start going, huh, do you know what? I did see a light in the sky that night. Yeah. It's like, no, you saw a shooting star, mate. Yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, I did feel a little weird driving yeah. home that evening. I mean, luckily, in the the stories of the people who weren't abducted, like uh, uh, Mary and Jane, I mean, they didn't even just see the light. They said that they had to pull over because it was blinding. People were getting out of their cars. They said they saw the craft in the sky hovering in front of them. Hey, I will say, if a, if a, if a craft of this size was to fly by a community and interact in this way, that is the at least the amount of witnesses you would expect to have. Yeah, it's very realistic. Whoever was piloting this craft was not trying to be discreet about it. Usually, you know, we, we see like, oh, the craft made no noise. It was camouflage amongst the trees. This son of a bitch was treating the, the people of this county like they were salmon mackie rolls on a sushi go round. Basically just abducting people as they pleased in the middle of the road, straight out of their houses, then just chucking them back onto the streets willy nilly. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now... This thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Now, that's kind of the end of the testimony section of this podcast. Thank God. I can't take any more uh, blinding testimony. It's, it's heavy. There's a lot to digest. And I think this is why this is a, a difficult story, because it's so outlandish, but weirdly has quite a bit of evidence and proof behind it. So even though it is very dramatic, it's also quite realistic at the same time. Now, I wouldn't be doing my job as a paranormal investigator if I wasn't completely upfront and honest about some of the skepticism that I have with this case. The first family that we looked at was the Reed family, who quite dramatically claimed that they had lost three hours of their time, their world had been flip side upside down. Believe it or not, that wasn't the only time the Reed boys had claimed that they'd been taken by aliens. Oh no. Tom said that he had been taken on board a beat up circular vessel and shown the image of a willow tree. Okay. Matthew said he encountered aliens again in 2009 in Indianapolis. Too recently. And their mother Nancy claimed to have been visited by extraterrestrials in 1954 when she was a teenager. So even before this case. Wow. So the, the aliens really have it out for this family. Let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> for me personally, it's a red flag because it shows that you weren't just some, an average Joe who had never even thought about extraterrestrial life, and then all of a sudden this thing happens to you. It seems like they're thinking about it a lot. You're saying it already happened. It already happened when you were a teenager and it happened again. Who knows, there could be something special about this family that means that they're priority number one. 
when intelligent life forms come to this planet. Sure. But usually I think being abducted by an alien is a pretty unique experience <laughs> that would, shouldn't and wouldn't really happen twice in a row. Can you imagine uh, after all those years, they come back and they're just shooting random beams down at Earth, seeing what they can get. It's like fishing to them. And they pop a sucker up to the thing and they're like, all right, get the scalpel and the probe and let's go. <laughs> Nancy? Zonktar! Zonktar, get over here! It's Nancy! Oh, <laughs> no oh my way. God, look how grown up you are. I haven't seen you since uh, Crantonio. I guess for you, what, uh, 15 years ago? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, take, take a seat. Take a seat. You don't, we're getting the, you don't mind the scalpel, right? Yeah, it's the same as last time. Same as last time. <laughs> you know the drill. You know the drill. <laughs> Seriously, though, the drill, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's, um, for me personally, that's a bit of a red flag. It is. It is always a salient reminder of just how much people in this era were thinking about ufos uh, yeah. it was at front of mind this was the era of the space race people were thinking about space and that this new and final frontier whereas today we know that people who claim this kind of thing are crackpots and no one well, in their let's right let's not say crackpots because you know this unexplained phenomenon happens all the time to normal sure. people, to and, normal and people. Sometimes we we say those cases are yes, but let's, let's, sometimes, let's sure. be honest. Most of the time, crackpots. And All right, well, no, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's not always Chuck Puddle. Sometimes it's normal people like Susan Smith. We know that there's no real reward other than writing a book and, and getting up on stage at a UFO conference. There's no real world reward for coming out with these claims. But back then... God damn, people must have been thinking about this stuff all the time. It's true. Most of the people who uh, claims they were abducted by this craft had their lives ruined from that point onward. Um, they were ridiculed, made fun of, had to move, sell their businesses. Uh, it was a hard life. And as you said, you know, opinions in today's world have changed somewhat and also not changed. It's quite a weird thing where you can see a declassified report from the Pentagon that says, oh, they're real, by the way. Here's a video of one. Uh, we don't know what the hell this is. And in that same breath, then read an article about someone who claims they saw a UFO and you're like, well, you're a maniac. But it's worth bringing up because quite recently in the news, I don't know if you saw this, the US Congress actually held its first public hearing on unexplained aerial sightings in 50 years. This is extremely recently, right? Extremely recently. And that's why I thought we have to bring this up and talk about it at the end of this episode. Because it's important. We've talked about these events in the past. <laughs> because God damn it, if the Reed family didn't show up 25 times in this report. <laughs> <laughs> they're a big part of it. They're standing up in Congress. <laughs> <Tell they're laughs> ranting about it. Uh, a lot of this info... I grabbed from The Telegraph, who did a great write-up on some of the kind of information that has come out of these hearings. Uh, but it's kind of insane. Uh, the Telegraph said that intelligence chiefs revealed that they had recorded just about 400 UFO sightings in total. Still less than uh, this paranormal life. Keep going, guys. Scott Bray, the deputy director of Naval Intelligence, said at the hearing that there were sightings that he just couldn't explain due to flight characteristics or radar readings from the objects. He was then asked if there were any collisions between, quote, U.S. assets and UFOs. He said, we haven't had a collision, but we've had at least 11 near misses. 
This sounds really familiar. I do remember that in one of those kind of uh, declassified documents of the last few years, they were like, these things were passing almost within feet of fighter planes and things. Isn't that crazy? I mean, to 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 be that specific as well, 11 near misses. Yeah. That's the kind of answer where if you probed further, they could probably tell you the, there'd be a name for every one of those misses. Yeah. They'd be like, that was... Uh, Columbia, 2004, yeah. uh, missed one of our choppers by a by an inch, you know? It, it is absolutely wild. You know, we talk about it all the time. The military, particularly the American military, because it spends more than every other country combined, essentially, they are supposed to represent the bleeding, cutting edge of anything that flies. Yeah. So for them to come out and say, we don't know what the hell is going on out there, that means something. Yeah. They're riding around looking at other alien crafts going, huh, now that's one hell of a copter. It's not so much the, the, the like <laughs> delivery on, that man. kills me. It's just Come like on. the pause. It's like the expectant, wide-eyed looking at me. Then don't like, then say I, something. I exhaled out through my nose. Like, what more do you want? Oh, Christ. Uh, I feel like I'm not going to get a win from that pun. The worst part is, is I know everyone listening to the show is like going crazy. They're howling, they're laughing, they're like, you know, hitting their legs, cracking up. I really don't up. think they are. And I just, like, it's just hard for me because so I don't like, hear it in the moment. things that have happened this episode. It's just tough. That. It's just tough for me. And for it not to land the first time and then to like try it again. Oh, this is great. Last year, Avril Haines, the director of national intelligence who oversees President Joe Biden's daily intelligence briefing, released a highly anticipated report into UFOs. It examined 144 different events since 2004. The report could explain only one. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it is a great conclusion to come to. He's like, I've examined almost 150 different crafts and spent the past 40 years of my life writing a report detailing all the information that we have gathered. What are your findings, sir? No idea. I think one was a bird. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's not a good use of, of millions of dollars of public spending. Yeah, we gave you so much money. Yeah, you got to at least pad the report out with some bullshit yeah i mean that's crazy that uh out of 144 different crafts they could only officially explain one of them i mean that is truly fascinating that these conversations are still going on to this day not only still going on but i feel like nowadays they're more prominent and more openly discussed than ever you think 50 years ago we would have been having a, a public hearing like this no Oh, this was a great bit. Ronald Moultrie, President Biden's Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security, denied officially that the Pentagon was covering up anything, citing his own passion for science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I love fiction. That's why I love talking about it. He said, I enjoy the challenge of what might be out there. Yes, I have followed science fiction. I have gone to conventions. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't necessarily dress up. What? He said that? <laughs> I don't It's hard to get the context of that <laughs> quote. I don't know if he's saying dress up the facts or the truth, or if he's talking about... I think he's talking about the conventions. <laughs> he's talking about cosplay. Good Lord. Uh, there's nothing wrong with going to the convention. There's something wrong with bringing it up during a congressional hearing. <laughs> what, do you go to sci-fi conventions? Yes. Please stay on topic, sir. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, I may be a U.S. official and sure, 
I go to a couple conventions. And yeah, sometimes I cosplay as Captain John Picard. And of course, sometimes I'll reenact scenes with me and my buddies. And of course, sometimes after a couple beers, I will leak confidential government secrets to them at the convention after party. Sir, we asked you if you could identify this plane. Oh, well, yeah, that's uh, an M41 Thunderbird. Okay, you could take your seat again. All right. And um, any notes on the cosplay? Because I did stay up all night stitching the hem. We would ask you to sit down, sir. All right. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Set phasers to stun. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that level of openness and honesty. I mean, yeah. this is, look, listen, for all our suspicion of <laughs> big government, this is ideally how the government would function with openness and honesty and going like, hey, guys, just laying all the evidence out for y'all because we don't really know what's going on here. There's no point in keeping... They're all secret, but yet we, you know, we just harbor a little bit of that kind of like historic, like distrust of like, is this really what's going on? Why are they telling us this? Are they trying to distract from something else in the news? Yeah. You know, these kinds of thoughts. Yeah. I think it was quite refreshing to hear some of the way that the officials are talking in this hearing because they're trying to, at least from the the look of it, trying to be quite honest where they're like, Hey, um, we know a ton of shit that you don't. Here's the thing. We can't say everything because our enemies are also privy to everything we say here. And if we openly say that we don't know what this thing is on video, they'll know whether or not we know about their shit (laughs) if it turns out to be an enemy's craft. So it's kind of like, I think... America is holding its cards close to its chest. So if they're in a hearing where it's like, all right, can you can you tell us what this is? One of your your jets went right past it. They're like, no. And it's like, oh, okay. Do, you, you, do you know what it is? Yes. All right, well, what is it? I can't tell you. I don't think you know what it is. I think that's what it is. <laughs> He's like, You're I'll, scared of it. I, I know what it is. What do you guys think it is? <laughs> so you don't know. Why don't we say it at the same time? Why don't we all why don't we all say what we think it is? Why don't you say it first? And then I'll tell you if you were right about what it was. You North Korean spying <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah, these like three, two, one, shiny. No, okay. Three, two, one. <laughs> Spydro? No, no, it's not what you were gonna say. No, that's not what I was gonna say either. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird kind of stalemate where I think like everyone's trying to act like they know everything, which is pointless for a hearing like this because the whole point is it's unidentified. I know what you mean. I, I guess saying something's unidentified is like the most honest they can be. They can come out and say it's alien in origin. They can't yeah. come out and say this or that. They, like It's kind of like one great big news headline about saying a bunch of stuff is no comment. Exactly. And unfortunately, I mean, I think they've come out and y- you are totally right. They're like, hey, we're not going to say aliens. Who said aliens? No one's talking about aliens. We're just saying. <laughs> it's printed on the giant <laughs> banner behind you. Congressional <laughs> hearing on aliens. <laughs> we're just saying that this weird object flying apparently on stardust and anti-gravity <laughs> didn't come from America. Yeah. And that's kind of the, I mean, it's an ongoing thing right now. I mean, that's how current it is. So we'll have to keep you posted. Maybe we'll cover some of this in a, in a after party episode and just do like a f- hit all the beats. Talk about every craft that they're going through, you know, even on a bonus episode, that would be really fun. I like that idea. But today, aside from those little concerns that I had at the end, I will say this case is incredibly credible. Normally when we're researching these episodes... A lot of the stories will come from the weird websites, crystallinks.com, random forums, Reddit posts. This story and the testimonies within it are all reported on The Guardian, The Huffington Post, The Independent. 
It's insanely well documented thanks to the number of unrelated independent witnesses. Sure, it's clearly, despite having happened a little while ago, it's clearly stood the test of time in terms of the public interest. So Kit, it's time for us to come to our own conclusions independently. What are you thinking? Fascinating case. Fascinating that it happened to so many different people at so many different times, all on the same night. Um, I'll be honest, I think uh, it's a lot to take in and I clearly don't get the full picture of what's going on here. It is very hard to sum this up in an hour long podcast. Yeah. This could have been a maybe three-parter. But the only problem is there's no natural progression to it. It starts at 100% and goes 100%, and then it just kind of ends. Yeah, which kind of fits the bill for the for, for the way these government-spotted crafts <laughs> come in and out of uh, visibility. Yeah. They don't hang around for a cup of tea, these UFOs. They pop up, disintegrate a child, and leave. <laughs> Granted, I agree, worrying that not all of the witnesses are believable, but, you know, I will say, a sighting like this doesn't discriminate. A UFO doesn't pick its witnesses, and no. untrustworthy people, even if we're going to go as far to say that, they could see things too, and, you know, you could have 90% of people in town telling the truth about what they saw, and then just 10% of people just lying to be part of the fun. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very good point. We're not saying, making those claims for anyone in our story, but if, you know, a whole county is saying they saw this UFO... I mean, we know what people are like. Who's to say a few of them aren't just trying to up everyone's story? It's like, you just saw it? I was up there. It's like, all right, calm down. <laughs> but that is all I think as a humble co-investigator. What do you think? I have spent a worrying amount of time researching this episode. I've watched the Unsolved Mysteries episode that they did on it. I've read everyone's testimonies. I've dived through the deep end. Amy, too, our researcher, has put an incredible amount of research into preparing this case. And I have come to the conclusion that whether or not every part of this story is true is still up for debate, but I believe that to some degree, something happened that night. Whether it was a weird thing appearing in the sky and zapping people with a light beam, I don't know what happened, but all I know is a lot of people who are all normal, respectable people say that something happened. <laughs> say that something zapped them, and you don't just make up getting zapped. Well, our listeners at home already know our conclusion. That's right. At the beginning of this episode, we said that today was going to be a double yes. And Kit, I stand oh, by that statement. <laughs> That's right, it's a double yes. <laughs> Whatever happened that night on September 1st, who knows exactly what went down? Who knows the details, the timeline, the true events? All we know is something went down <laughs> and it was pretty weird that and is all you yes. can ask for in this life in terms i mean jesus that's what that's what congress are trying to work out yeah did something happen <laughs> no comment <laughs> we investigated a uh, 144 <laughs> cases of something <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this week's episode Woo! of this paranormal life it's, it's an insane one it took me so long to kind of finish polishing this script and getting it to a place I, I felt comfortable presenting it in. I think the, the first time I kind of read through some of these stories, I was like, it's a shame that it's so insane. I wish it was even like less bizarre because that would have made me feel more comfortable even presenting it. <laughs> 
But here we are. That's just, we're just telling it how it is. And that's how apparently it went down. And folks, that is a double yes. Thank you to Amy Grisdale for researching this week's episode. Thank you to Louis Blatherwick for editing this week's episode. Guys, how would you like to be pinned to the floor? By me. Okay, slow down, brother. Where are you going with this? And instead of light, I beam directly into your head 50 additional episodes of This Paranormal Life. It's barely been recovered, I will say. You're going to wake up in a park with no clothes, no shoes. This is so threatening. And you're not going to know where you are. All you're going to know is that you now have access to 50 episodes and our weekly after party. It's entertainment. Because guess what you did? You joined us on Patreon.com. That's right. If you head over to Patreon.com, guys, that's it. That's the place to be if you are a TPL fan. We just rebranded our Patreon and we have more rewards there than we've ever had. Kit, what's your favorite reward right now that we offer everyone? Abadi, abadi, abadi. It's got to be the after party, Rory. What's the after party, Kit? It's a goddamn mother. weekly show where every Friday, this is our way of breaking up the week so that uh, in between, sandwiched deliciously in between our two slices of plain ass bread, (laughs) which is the Tuesday episode you're listening to right now. We have the the peanut butter and jam that is our weekly kickback at the after party. We're talking Q&As, we're talking behind the scenes content and uh, general shooting the breeze. That is just a really fun way of connecting with you guys and giving you a little bit more TPL. We also get blasted on the show. We have established somewhat of a track record of doing this, yes. Cracking up, open a couple brewskis. A lot of people worried about us in the comments, Most recently, a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, it's kind of accelerating. But it's great. It's a lot of fun, and it's it's an awesome way to get more TPL action. What's my favorite reward, you ask? Kit, I think the coolest thing that we do is the fact that we do a monthly raffle where you can actually earn a This Paranormal Life artifact. I didn't ask. What if I told you you could join the Patreon and this month you could win Kit's f***ing iPhone that he uses daily. And we're talking about all of his accounts still logged in, his Gmail, his Twitter, his Instagram. Rory's talking to the camera for some reason for the first (laughs) time in an hour and 10 minutes. All there for the taking, folks. Why would they, why would we give away my phone? That's my one phone. It's just for, for... Also, why would anyone want that in the sense of surely they would want a piece of paraphernalia from this Paranormal Life history? just an example of something that you could win because of course this month what we're giving away is the actual cursed doll used on an episode of this paranormal life it's been living in my house for the last six months and i need it gone yes we've established before it's terrifying you don't want it in your house and yet it can be yours unfortunately we did throw away the bag of bones and all the other weird stuff that came with it but the doll itself can be yours. You could be the winner. Let's face it, you could make your own bag of bones. What What is a KFC bucket but a bag of bones? <laughs> and of course, one of the coolest rewards of all is getting your very own personal shout out at the end of an episode of This Paranormal Life. And that's what we're going to do right now. Thank you so much to Kevin Gaddy. Kevin Gaddy, the number one caddy for anything, not just golf. If you play basketball, he'll just follow you around with like towels and shit. I don't really know what caddies do. Isn't a caddy also like a type of basket or something? Is it? It's it's definitely both. Ah, well, there you go. Kevin will either help you play golf or carry stuff for you. Thank you to Asia Croteau. You think the Reed family were problematic for getting abducted three to four times? Asia gets abducted three times a week. Whoa, against their will? It must be some kind of 
fucked up part-time job, honestly. They get picked up on a Monday and oh. dropped back <laughs> on a, a, a freaking Wednesday evening with cash in their pocket. <laughs> a space box. Thank you to Keem Terry. If it isn't Harry Terry, their biggest problem is uh, at any point if they're just, you know, out for a little walk in the woods, having a little stroll. Sure. Everyone's like, that is Sasquatch. That is Bigfoot. Uh, but no, no, no. It's just Harry Terry, all right? Terry just needs to go home, quick shave. Of course, by six o'clock, it's not just a shadow. It is, it's a black hole. The hair is back. But uh, don't be alarmed. If you see what you think is Bigfoot, it might just be Harry Terry. Look into laser hair removal, Terry. Thank you to Jonathan Skinner. Now, Jonathan Skinner, on the other hand, is uh, sort of confusingly and disturbingly completely hairless. Right. Looks like a giant baby. Yes. You know, aerodynamic, innit? Yeah. Good um, at swimming. Good at running. Exactly. It makes you faster when you need to escape from your enemies. And just covering yourself up in something like baby oil or Vaseline will make you very hard to catch. That is also accurate because he is also the build and size of a giant baby. Right. Thank you to Julie. Julie is the official commune jeweler. Whenever my crown gets a little dusty or one of my jewels gets a little dulled, I say, Julie the jeweler? And she just comes up and kneels before me with a, a little tray of, of jewels. Sometimes it's what we've been able to find from the mines of the mm -hmm. paranormal commune. Sometimes it's whatever we've just ganked from the people when they came in the front door. Yeah, it's a bit like prison being in the commune. You get you all your stuff <laughs> confiscated. And we say you'll get it back if you ever leave, but no one ever leaves. <laughs> so no one leaves. the jewels are pretty much up for grabs. Thanks, Julie. Can you bust on my watch, Julie? Truly? Thank you to Julia Thorne. Julia was the original jeweler before we got Julie. But Julia was actually a thorn in my side, it turned out. <laughs> Because the jewels she was offering us, they just weren't up to scratch. And she kept saying, I don't think it's ethical that you actually take these from the people that come in. This is their blood. I don't even feel comfortable offering you blood diamonds, but you insist on only <laughs> using gigantic blood diamonds. And we said, Julia, that's enough. Give me your, give me your diamond necklace and get out of here. <laughs> and that's when we hired Julie. And we don't talk about Julia Thorne anymore. Thank you to Richard Hoover. Richard the Mover Hoover. We actually hired him when we needed to move the royal jewels from our old commune to the new commune. Uh, now, in the process of moving them, I won a, a tiny diamond, really, out of thousands and thousands of blood diamonds went missing. Uh, so we had Richard I don't even think it turned out <laughs> to within an inch of his life. Uh, sadly, yeah. it did turn up later on. Yeah, you found it. It was, yeah. it was underneath your pillow. So so we had it the whole well. Ken no hard the feelings, whole time, so. Richard. Thank you to Joachim Kohlberg. The Titanic was lucky that it only hit an iceberg. Imagine if it had actually hit a Kohlberg. Huh? Kohlberg is a paranormal object that sometimes is found in the sea of space. And instead of just being Wait, a big the sea of space, the sea of space, it's like the ocean of the universe. Wait, wait. I, you have to move past that because that's not the part that I'm apparently. talking about. So it's like, instead of just hitting what the Titanic hit, which was what a frozen rock. It's a giant something like that. Thousands and thousands of tons. And then just like, kaploosh, the ship went down or something. Like, I don't really remember. I didn't read about it. Okay, or a lot of people died. Didn't so make it to so the end clear. of the movie. Imagine it hit a Kohlberg. 
Sure. If uh, you if you hit, I don't know. I still don't know what the sea of space is. So. <laughs> if you hit a Kohlberg, the memories and the futures and the past of you and your family are melted into a dying star that explodes in your own eyes. What does this have to do with Joachim? <laughs> I think he's one of them. And thanks for supporting the show. <laughs> Thank you to Ilka Niemenen. It's great to have Ilka's ilk hanging around the commune. They've got a real eye for jewels. Ooh, that's just what we need around here. That's why they're the premier jewel enforcer. That means if someone <laughs> even considers wearing a, a stone on a piece of string as a necklace, yeah. if it's too shiny, they just gank it off their neck <laughs> and give it to us. Even like sentimental shit, like if it was like, I don't know, like a teddy bear that, that your mother gave you when you were a child, that's kind of a jewel in your eyes and we want it. The sentimental <laughs> value is enormous. Thank you also to Daniel Bruzas. Daniel actually weirdly runs a kind of abduction experience weekend thing. It's on like Airbnb. Uh, if you're in the Austin area and you want to feel like you've got abducted, you sign up and he'll put a sack over your head, load you in the back of a van and beat the crap out of you with a bag of pennies for three days and then dump <laughs> you outside a drugstore at 5 a.m. Yeah, and you're like, whoa, what, where, what time is it? What happened <laughs> to my shoes? You get the full experience. It's pretty unique. Thank you to Cameron Neves. Cameron keeps his camera on whenever he's around the Royal Jewelry Collection. Uh, he is the Royal Jewelry Photographer. Uh, <laughs> we frame giant images of, of the most precious jewels around the castle of the commune. Uh, except in the last few weeks, the photos have been a bit blurry. So yeah. I handed him over to Daniel uh, for a three-day <laughs> abduction experience just to really sharpen his focus for the next <laughs> round of photos. Yeah, we kind of pitched it as like a reward for doing such a good job. We said we're all going on a work trip and he was basically forced into a sack for a whole weekend. So let's hope those pictures get a little clearer, buddy. And lastly, but not leastly today, thank you to Kara Sharp. Kara Sharp, our resident knife expert in the commune. You know you're really f***ed up if we introduce you to Kara. If we send you to Kara for a weekend experience, uh, she really knows her stuff. She really does, but unfortunately some of the knives recently have been a little blunt. So Kara, welcome to your exclusive weekend getaway via the sack. We sent a lot of business to Daniel, we really do. Thank you so much to everyone that we shouted out. And thank you to everyone that supports us on Patreon. If you're on that tier, your shout out is coming. Keep an ear out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. I hope you had as much fun as we did. And of course, we'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Woo!